the series that we're going into today. You can be seated if you want. If you're around the altar, stay as long as you want to. Series that we're starting this morning called Good News for the month of April. Here's the good news. The good news is that everything that's going on in heaven, we can release it here in the earth. How did you say it? You said it so much better a second ago. If it's not happening in heaven, it shouldn't be happening here. So it's not about us getting there to get it. It's about how we get heaven to be operating here. So if it's operating there, it should be operating here. We just speak that and believe that. It's Palm Sunday. We celebrate Palm Sunday in the Western Christian culture on the Sunday before Easter. If you've been in church or Sunday school at all, you know that they waved palm branches. They laid their clothes down in the streets for Jesus to come riding in. And when Jesus came riding in, historically, on the other side of the mountain, on the other side of the city, Pontius Pilate was riding in on a white charger with his army, and they were armed. What the Jews had been waiting for for decades was for another king to ride in on another white horse with his armies to destroy the Roman Empire. See, it's kind of like what's going on in America and in other countries as well. We have been waiting for something may not happen the way that you think it's going to happen for Jesus to come again on a white charger and to destroy all of his enemies. Can I tell you something? He, he has no enemies. Death was the final enemy and he defeated death. He swallowed up death, hell, and the grave. The good news is the king has already come. <laughs> and when he came, riding into Jerusalem, Zechariah 9, 9 prophesied, Behold, O Zion, your king comes humbly riding on a donkey. See, the donkey was a symbol of peace. When a king would ride into a town on a donkey, it was to symbolize peace, not war. So you've got something going on simultaneously during the feast of the Passover that's happening. You've got one king coming in with an army armed declaring war. But you have the king of all kings riding in through the eastern gate down off the Mount of Olives with his disciples following him who are unarmed because Jesus said if my kingdom was of this world my disciples would have swords but it's a kingdom of peace and I was thinking about this good news and I've even asked some fellow ministers this week what part of that that day that we read the Passover story we read Jesus coming in on a donkey what part of that is good news that can be applied to us today right here in our situations what can we see from that story and I began to imagine your imagination is a powerful thing and I began to imagine King Jesus riding into every one of our situations to declare peace 
whatever the situation that you're facing today is, the good news is the king has already come. He continues to come, and as he comes, he rides into those situations. Paul, and if it's a family situation, I see Jesus riding in humbly to declare peace over your family situation. I, I see... Jesus riding into your situation, your legal situation, and he's speaking peace over that situation. It's a kingdom of peace. So no matter what we're facing and no matter what we're going through, if you can begin to imagine King Jesus riding in. See, Jesus, the king, has already come. He continues to come. He will always be coming. Anything that I, the good news is not that I'm trying to take heaven away from you. That's an ultimate reality that you will face out in your future when your body, physical body, ceases to exist. But the good news is that the king is present right here, right now, today. We don't have to wait for him to come. As the Jews were waiting for the king, Messiah, to come, it, and they, he didn't come the way they wanted him to come. And as Jesus is looking over Jerusalem, he declares you have missed your time of visitation. Praise God. Now we have the whole story and we can look back through the lens of uh, history and we can see that because he was resurrected and ascended and then he sent the spirit that we have present with us all of the time that we don't have to wait for the king to come. Even by the early, late first century, Paul has to write to the church in Thessalonica and tell them to get up and go to work because they're just sitting around being a bunch of couch potatoes and lazy and not providing because they thought the king was coming back. For over 2,000 years, people have been anticipating the arrival, what most have called in Western culture Christianity, a second coming. Folks, he's, he's already showed up more times than a second coming. I mean, within hours of his resurrection, he tells Mary, don't touch me. A few chapters later, he says, Thomas, touch me. Why? Because he ascended to the Father and he came back again. I mean, that's just one example. He's continually coming. I wrote on Facebook yesterday and I said, Jesus, the King has come. He's the king of all kings. He was king at his birth. They declared him king of the Jews. The wise men came looking, following a star, trying to find the king. He was king at his death. They had put on his cross, king of the Jews. He's king of the earth. He's king of heaven. He is king that sits on a throne in heaven where you are seated with him in the heavenly Christ. But not only does he sit on that throne, the throne of David, he sits in the throne of our hearts. He's the king over every situation. He's the king. He's the priestly king who made a sacrifice of his own life for us. This is incredibly good news. Do you know what happened just hours before he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey? John the 11th chapter, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And he stays in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary comes and anoints his feet with a fragrant perfume, it says. People got upset. And because he had, re had resurrected Lazarus, 
it said that they plotted to kill Jesus from that point forward. And he's yet he knows all this and he's riding into Jerusalem on a symbol of peace. Do you know what palm branches, do you know what they symbolize? In, they, victory, absolutely, but specifically victory over death. Immortality, everlasting life. The king of peace is riding in to declare his peace. And with maybe they had the knowledge of it, but every palm branch that is being waved declares this king is bringing everlasting life. He has victory over death. My own personal opinion is that that fragrant perfume that Mary poured on his feet permeated the crowd. As he rode in on the donkey, you could smell the sweet aroma. 2 Corinthians, I believe, or 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 14 through 16, declare that we are an aroma. See, the donkey carried Jesus on Palm Sunday, but you are the vehicle now that is carrying Jesus, King Jesus, to every situation that you come in contact with. I mean, if I was... Really honest with you, Jesus used an ass. He can use me and you to carry the king. I mean, even over in the Old Testament, one of them could talk. So he can use me and you. And we can carry the king. That's good news. It's good news that he wants to use you as the vehicle to carry peace into someone's situation. I think it's incredibly good news that the king has already come. So I, I know that you probably are saying, well, you don't believe Jesus is coming back? Yep, I do. But I don't, I'm not waiting for one event out in the distant future. I see him coming constantly. I see him coming. He's appearing to the Muslim nations right now in record form showing himself to them and they're coming to Christ he's appearing he's appearing in all kinds of different ways and different situations to different people that's good news I've got so many notes I probably can't even remember them all and I didn't want to get bogged down with that because God's been moving and Follow his leading. Somebody say, Behold, your king has come. See, the, the Jewish people wanted to be delivered from the oppression of the Roman government. Does that resonate with anybody living in the here and now? But can I tell you what we Jesus came to deliver us from? The oppression of the law. These people wanted to be set free from an oppression of a physical government. But really what they were under that they needed to be set free from was a law that could never save them. It was a system that would only frustrate them as they worked harder and harder to re obtain salvation and then the next year have to go back and do it again 
Matter of fact, in Hebrews it says that the priest stood daily at the at the altar making a sacrifice for the atonement of sin because the sacrifice that you made yesterday was only good until your next sin. And then you had to make another sacrifice. But we are living in a better covenant with a better promise that has better blood, with a better temple, and a better, everything about it is better. Better, better, better. I love that song we sing, Angie sings sometimes. It keeps on getting better. It keeps on getting better. I mean, yesterday will was good, but today's better than yesterday. But we, he was coming to set them free from the oppression of that old covenant system that was going to say, I will be the sacrifice once and for all. You're not going to have to labor and toil and sweat because I'm going to accept you as my beloved through what Jesus does. I, you're going to be favored. You're going to be blessed. You're going to walk in the favor of God because of what Jesus did, not because of what you're going to do. And you know, that's still what's going on in a lot of church settings today is people have a mentality of constantly having to work and they've got this image of God that's a, a white hair, you know, wool beard and eyes of fire and a mouth that's got a sword in it and he's going to bash you upside of the head as soon as you make a mistake. Matter of fact, if you even have a thought about doing something. Has anybody ever been there? Because he knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Why? Because it's good news that the king has come. And he took care of all of that. He, de he dealt with all of that. I'm thankful for that. Amen. You got anything this morning? Have you enjoyed the presence of the Lord this morning? Romans 5, verse 17. I don't know if you've got that slide back there. Thank you. You've done a great job. Did you give Rob and Jennifer a great hand this morning? We appreciate them always being willing to come in and fill in for us. Yeah, there's a gray Jeep outside that has your lights on. Don't want you to have a dead battery. So if you have a gray Jeep, maybe that's... Yeah. <laughs> Romans 5.17 declares, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Can I just put that in the JRW3 version? In other words, the sin of Adam caused death to be king over all. But, somebody say but, the good news is, that's right, all who believe that through Jesus, the king who arrived, and that he is God's gift of forgiveness and the acquittal of all sins, you are, you are kings in life. Because the king, Jesus, is living on the inside. And because the king lives on the inside... You are kings. In other words, we, we rule and we reign 
with kingdom authority in this earth because of God's gift of righteousness and the abundance of his grace. That's good news. Death no longer reigns over you. You reign in this life. That means you have authority as a king in the earth because the king has already come and lives on the inside of you. There's a king seated in you. That's hard for us to imagine. That there's a king seated on the inside of you. And there's preaching, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, that he is seated on his throne. Absolutely. Colossians says, or I'm sorry, Ephesians says in second chapter that he ascended and he is seated at the throne, but it does not stop there. And it says that you, touch your neighbor, tell them you, you are seated in the heavenly Christ. You have dual citizenship. How many of you were born in America? Anybody born outside of the USA? So we have all American citizens in here. But as a believer in what King Jesus has done for you, you, were, you did not enter into the kingdom of God by death. You were born into the kingdom of God. And by that rebirth from above, the king is seated on the throne of your heart but the good news includes that you are also seated on the throne in heaven in the heavenly Christ. You have dual citizenship, a citizen of both heaven and earth. That's why you have the right to speak and to declare as an ambassador that the things that are not happening in heaven cannot happen here on the planet. Why? Because King Jesus has already come. If our mentality stays remains on waiting for a future event to occur, we are going to miss out on the abundant life that you can enjoy right here, right now. See, I grew up thinking that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is the same exact thing, it's not two different things, Matthew used the terminology kingdom of heaven because he was speaking to the Jews when he wrote, and in his writings he would not write the name of God, Yahweh. He wouldn't write it. It was too holy. So he used the term kingdom of heaven. Mark, Luke, and John all use kingdom of God to refer to the same exact thing, but not writing specifically to a certain people who would think, oh, he wrote the name of God down. No, so it's the same thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. But if we are waiting on a future event to, uh, to happen, and I'm not taking that away from you, but it's been so much of our focus, but I grew up thinking that the kingdom of heaven was a distant thing that we were always striving to get into. And here's a scripture that was used all of the time. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. If we read that in correct context, we will begin to find out what that was saying was that the kingdom of God was at hand because John the Baptist, see the, the law and the prophets were preached until John. John came declaring the kingdom. What does Jesus preach? He preaches the kingdom. Look at the scriptures. He's preaching the kingdom. 
And what was happening is the Pharisees were violently trying to stop and impede the progress of the kingdom of God. Nothing about Jesus is violent. Therefore, nothing about his children would be violent. And why would we have to be violent to take the kingdom when Luke says in the 17th chapter that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? So which is it? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to fight violently to receive it. But there are those who are violently striving against the kingdom of God to impede its progress. And so if we are waiting on a future event for the kingdom to come, or for us to go to the kingdom rather, I mean the Pharisees even had the right question for Jesus. They said, when will the kingdom come, not when will we go to the kingdom? And the kingdom has shown up. Why? Because it's good news that the king has already come. I could go on and on and on. But it's good news that the king has come. Wow. I'm a kingdom now guy. But I'm also a kingdom future guy. Because, listen, my mom passed away four years ago, and I know where she is. She's not in the present reality of kingdom now. She is already enjoying and experiencing of the kingdom future because the physical body ceased to exist, but the spirit, your spirit that lives in you, that's the real you, will never die. So when this body breathes its last breath and ceases to exist and stops to function, the spirit man stays alive, and I don't think that the journey is very far. It's just from the visible realm, Matthew's back there, John Cena, you can't see me, into the invisible realm beyond the veil. And if the Holy Spirit would allow and he would peel back the invisible, the veil that is between those two realms, in the spirit we could see angels in this room right now. Huh? The veil is gone, that's right. In the kingdom realm we can see into that. And I, you know how I do that? With my imagination. I imagine what it's like. Eyes to see it, ears to hear it. It's good. She's helping me. <laughs> but we're on a, as we're on a journey, more of the revelation of what it is, how it operates, becomes real to us. That bring, that's good news. Breaking news is all over the place. I mean, you're at the fingertip, whatever news organization you're following, you can turn on your phone or you can flip on the TV or your radio and you're going to hear breaking news. Now, 90% or plus more of the breaking news is all bad news. I've got, we hear enough bad news all of the time. And because we are saturated with such bad news, even when we hear the gospel being preached, we tend to have a negative view of the gospel. So what I want to endeavor to do this month is to take that, uh, we're going to see the kingdom in a whole new light, we're going to hear good news that takes the negative away from the gospel because there's nothing about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that has any negative attached to it. 
So even in the language, when we hear words like repent, there's, it's, it's been negative for centuries in the church. But it's not. When we see the good news, repenting is not negative. Here's another negative word, condemnation. So when we hear condemnation and it's negative, but we can understand and know on this side of the cross, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've got to remove some of these things from the, the language because of the lens that we've been looking through so that we can see the good news. And we started this morning with the good news that the King has come. Amen? Put your hands together and thank the Lord that the King has come.